We're blessed to have the Luthies with us here this morning. Um, many of you know the Luthies, and uh, many of you don't. And uh, Pastor Luthi served here for 15 years. Um, so 03, probably starting around there. Yeah, 03, um, all the way up through uh, when when I came right at, at 2019. And just thankful for for their faithfulness uh, over the years. Um, they, we, we have a church ministry here uh, that has a foundation on the Word of God, and they upheld that faithfully through those years. And I'm just thankful for, what, thankful for what God has done through them and how He has used them. And I, I know that He's used them in many of your lives because you have shared that with me. And uh, various times when we're going through a passage and You'll come up to me and share notes or things and, and uh, comments in your Bible that, uh, that you heard when Pastor Luthi was preaching. And uh, I want to thank them personally. They, they were such a blessing to us as we, as we came over and transitioned um, from Indiana down here. Uh, they've been, been great friends, someone I can call on the phone anytime, and uh, I know that he'll answer. <laughs> he'll answer. And, uh, just, just so thankful. Uh, such a blessing. Um, Pastor Luthie is going to come, and uh, I know that we'll be blessed today. So, well, I was just glad to make it past the Christmas tree without knocking anything off. <laughs> I haven't always been so lucky. Uh, would you turn in your Bibles to Second Chronicles chapter 34? We're coming back to that in a few minutes, but first I want to show you some pictures from our visit to Slovakia this summer. When I retired from the church, I wrote a letter to all the missionaries that we supported to let them know that I was retiring and that we had a new pastor coming in and that the, everything was stable and would be okay. And uh, so they would not have to hear things through the grapevine, as we say. And uh, a few weeks later, I got a letter back from Don Waite there in, in Slovakia. He and Leanne have been serving there for 20 years, I think, or so. And he, he said, well, would you consider, if, you, if you're going to be retired, would you consider coming sometime for an extended time to, so we, we really need to get back to the U.S. and visit our supporting churches and families. And um, both Don and Leanne's parents are getting older. Kind of reminds me of coming back to Grace. <laughs> I, I, I notice some of my friends are getting older. That's why I stay away, because I'm afraid I'll catch it. <laughs> but their, their parents are getting older, and they needed to come and see them, visit them. So we were able to work it out and we went. That was in 2019. That was what I had hoped to do during the years of retirement. But very soon after I retired, COVID hit and shut down everything, not just in America, but all around the world. Uh, so that was a, a change of plans, but we were able to go back again this summer and uh, fill in for them. By the way, I heard from, uh, well, he heard from Leanne uh, this morning. They got another 10 inches of snow 
last night as on top of the six to ten inches they got a few days ago and uh, kind of made me jealous. I love to watch it snow when I don't have to go anywhere. I just stay there and look at it and go out and play in the snow. Um, but anyway, um, we, we, were, uh, were, we went to Slovakia this summer and um, filled in for Don and Leanne, taking over many of the pastoral duties there of the church and, and Ellie filling in for a lot of the things that Leanne did. I'm going to try to work this complicated new technology where I have to push a right button and a left button and to try to remember which one is the one that I want to push. So uh, I could try that. Hey, it worked. And I'd like you to be praying for the ministry there in Slovakia in particular. I hope that seeing these pictures and hearing a little bit about them and we'll get this prayer sheet made for, for you um, probably by Wednesday anyhow. I don't know how, how long that works. but um, So you can put some prayer requests with some of the faces that you've seen today um, because that is really important. And as I asked you earlier to turn to... Um, Turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 34, I believe I said, didn't I say that? Most of you have already forgotten what I said just a few minutes ago. Anyway, years ago I was teaching at a Christian college down in South Carolina. One of my responsibilities was to be the faculty advisor for a group of men students uh, there. And these men had planned a special outing with a dinner that they prepared themselves. The main course was venison from a deer that one of the men had shot. I knew I was in trouble when they told me that they had saved a special portion of meat just for me. Ah, uh, that doesn't sound good. Uh, it was the toughest piece of meat I have ever had in my mouth. I chewed on that thing the first bite for 20 minutes and it never got smaller. I don't know what part of the deer they got that from, but it was, it was tough. But they were having so much fun laughing at me trying to eat that tough venison that I just kept going on with it. One of the good things that I do in life is I give people a reason to laugh. Um, but not all venison is tough, like that piece of meat that I had. Everybody else, in fact, at that dinner was enjoying delicious, tender venison. Everybody but me. I was thinking about that experience in relationship to the message this morning. I was reading in Second Chronicles 34, especially in verse 27, where God complimented King Josiah because his heart was tender and he humbled himself before God. A tender heart. For most of my adult life, I have prayed that the Lord would give me a tender heart. 
It's not my nature by birth to be that way. But I knew that that's what God wanted if I was to serve him in an acceptable way. Now, when we think about tender meat, how does a cook make meat tender? And I thought there were primarily two ways. One, you can use tenderizers. We sprinkle some kind of spices on them that breaks down the tough meat. That's what a lot of the restaurants will do. Why, when you eat out, everything seems so much more tender than it does at home? Because they put all kinds of stuff on there, chemicals to tenderize it. Another way you can do that I remember seeing my mother do is to beat the meat with a hammer. A mallet, I guess they call it there. And you beat on it, and it makes it tender. Um, you know, people don't often have tender hearts before God like King Josiah did. In fact, very few of the kings in the Old Testament scriptures had a tender heart. But King Josiah was different. His heart was tender toward God, even as a young man. About 18 years old, when he first heard the word of God read to him. Imagine that. The king of the southern kingdom of Judah. And he's 18 years old. He'd been king since he was eight years old. And he had never heard. In fact, he didn't know that there was a Bible, a written Torah, the law of Moses, until someone by accident found a copy of the scriptures in one of the storage rooms in the temple, covered all up by other junk in there that they had pushed in there throughout the centuries of time. But when he first heard the word read to him, and you read that earlier here in chapter 34. Um, beginning at verse 18, Shaphan the scribe told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read that book before the king. And it came to pass when the king heard the words of the law, that he tore his clothes and the king commanded Hilkiah and Hikam, the son of Shaphan, and these others uh, saying, go and inquire of the Lord for me. Why? Because the words of the book that is found, God must be really angry at us. Because as Josiah knew, having grown up in the home of Manasseh, one of the worst kings that Israel ever had. They were doing everything contrary to what God commanded. Notice, he humbled himself before God. And that's why God said to him, through the prophet, in verse 27, because your heart was tender, and you humbled yourself before God when you heard his words. He would be spared from the judgments that were to come upon the people of Israel. Good cooks know how to make meat tender. God knows how to make a tough 
heart tender? How does God make human hearts tender? Well, sometimes people are willing to listen to God and to cooperate with him. And the Holy Spirit speaks quiet words of conviction. Or he extends the loving grace of God that makes us realize how far short we are from what we could be before the God who was willing to give his son for us. And it draws our wandering hearts back to God. Romans 2, 4 says the goodness of God leads to repentance. Sometimes, however, people are stubborn. They resist God's grace. They resist the Holy Spirit's quiet words of conviction. Even when God warns them, either when they're reading the scriptures or hearing the scriptures preached, or through another believer, they will not repent. They harden their heart against God's rebuke. But God's not finished yet. He may send them affliction or disappointment or failure or some other form of punishment to bring them to their knees. Like a good cook, God can make hard hearts tender and proud hearts humble. Do you remember when you last heard somebody apologize? Before they got caught and punished? Maybe a church leader? We hear in the news about church leaders that stumble into sin, or maybe not stumble, but maybe fall into sin directly. Politicians all the time a parent, a husband, or a wife, or yourself. We don't like to apologize because we don't want to admit we're wrong. Isn't that the sign of a stubborn, hard heart? What will it take to humble ourselves in repentance before God first and then to those that we have sinned against. You may remember these verses from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, where the scribes and the Pharisees were giving Jesus a hard time. And, um, and the Lord put them in their place publicly. Now that was obviously hard to take. None of us likes to be publicly embarrassed. The Pharisees were known for believing the scriptures and defending the scriptures and teaching the scriptures. They had a reputation for doing a lot of good things. Kind of sounds like our church, doesn't it? But Jesus said that was not enough just to do the good things and to know all the things that are in the Bible and to even teach other people. Believing every letter of the word, every tiny letter from God's law, that's good, but if it's just in the head and not in the heart, you end up being like the Pharisees, hard against God 
and Christ and the Spirit because God wants our hearts and not just our words. A common expression of worship in ancient Israel, and it still is today, when someone realizes how they have sinned against God and they make things right and their life is changed and their heart is changed, they want to give to God a gift of some way. They called it in the Old Testament the sacrifices of thanksgiving. Thanking the Lord that he was patient enough to keep on with me and not give up on me. And they would bring a gift to him. And Jesus described in Matthew 5 an unusual circumstance. Someone standing in line at the altar, ready to offer his gift to the Lord. And he suddenly remembers something that he's been trying to forget because he doesn't want to remember it. He's done or said something against another person that he shouldn't have done. Jesus said it this way, your brother has something against you. What do we do when we are the guilty person? When we have sinned against someone, when we are the one who's had the hard, stubborn heart, how important is it that we make right that offense? Can't we maybe wait for a more convenient time or just forget about it? After all, the other person might not really want to talk about it anyway. But Jesus said, keep your gift. Your sacrifice of thanksgiving, keep it. First, be reconciled to your brother whom you've sinned against and then come back and offer this gift. Can you imagine that in our church? If the ushers are passing the offering plate and it comes to you and the usher reaches over and takes it back. He says, no, you keep it. You've got some things to do, make right with God first. Pretty embarrassing, wouldn't it be? It's only embarrassing to us, though, because we got caught in front of other people. We already were caught before God. Is our heart so stubborn, so hard, so tough that God has to do something severe to get our attention? Or are we like King Josiah that the first time he heard about this in God's word, he humbled his heart and repented. He did what all the kings of Israel and Judah should have been doing for centuries. Because in the book of Moses, in Deuteronomy chapter 17, it says there that the king, when he's put in office, the first thing he is to do is to make a personal copy of the books of Moses. In other words, to go through Genesis, through Deuteronomy, and write it out himself to be his copy of the scriptures so he would know God's requirements. They hadn't done that for years. In fact, when Josiah was made king, he didn't even know that there was a book of Moses with all those laws. Josiah set an example himself by publicly promising God 
that he would obey God's commandments with all his hearts. Didn't make any excuses, blame his father Manasseh for never teaching him about the Bible, but rather teaching him idolatry. He does, Josiah did this in front of all the people because his heart was tender and he humbled himself before God. Then he ordered everybody else in Israel to do the same. And they all began to immediately act on these covenant promises. And they began to purge the land of all the idols and the false and horrible things that they did in worship of those idols. Remember, though, here's a young fella, 18 years old. And 18 years old, even though he was king, everybody considered him to be a kid, right? Remember when you were 18, you didn't have a name? You were so-and-so, like Pastor Dudley's son. Right? I found out he has a name. (laughs) I was always Elaine's brother, because that was my older sister who was perfect. In every way. And I was, well, I was David, Elaine's brother. Nobody in Israel even knew about this stuff. They had been worshiping idols for so long that everybody thought that was true religion. And Josiah is leading his people in doing what is right. You know, you have a people too, right? You who lead in a home, you have people who look up to you, people who follow you, people who listen to what you say and think. You have friends that look up to you, maybe younger brothers and sisters that look up to you. You have people around that you don't even know who are looking up to you, following your example. If your heart is stubborn, stubborn as a rock, Nobody's going to tell you what to do, not even God. You'll do it if you please, when you please. I'm here to tell you that it's time for God's people to get a tender heart before God, to repent of our sins, not when we're in the hospital. And the doctor's giving us a bad report and we're scared we might die. But now, while the Spirit of God is convicting us, there God can tenderize our heart with just a few chemicals and spices of of calm conviction and not have to get out the mallet and beat the toughness out of us. We know what we must do, don't we? After I preached this message in Slovakia one Sunday morning, three ladies came and contacted Ellie and me after that service. One lady came with her husband. Her husband spoke English. She didn't, so she brought him along to translate. She wanted to tell me that the Lord had spoken to her heart and she was going to make some changes and do things right. As she left, another lady came up a very young lady. In fact, she was 19 years old, I believe. 
And she said also about the same thing, that the Lord had spoken to her heart and she was going to make changes. After church, another one of the young ladies called Ellie and said, can we meet tomorrow for hot chocolate? They make the best hot chocolate over there. So I did, and she said, you know, my husband and I have been having problems lately. Seems like we fight a lot, arguing different things, and I know some of it's my fault. And the Lord spoke to me about my hard heart. And pray for me that I'll be able to do what's right. Three ladies who had very little experience in church and the Bible, but their hearts were tender, tender enough to repent when the Spirit convicted them. And it reminded me of a lot of people that I have preached to in America for a long time. And as far as I know, they've never humbled themselves before God. I hope it's not you. Lord, I thank you that you're still in the business of making hard hearts tender. And I pray that you will work on our hearts today, that we might have a tender heart that when we hear God's word, we will be immediately responsive to do what we know we ought to do. If we need to make a change, if we need to be more faithful, whatever you are convicting us about, whether we consider it big or small, whether it's between us and you or us and somebody else, that we will be tender enough to listen to the Holy Spirit and respond. I pray for this church, Lord. I thank you for the privilege that we've had to walk the paths of life together. And I pray that you will continue to bless Grace Baptist Church, not the church building, but the people who make up this church. That they will continue to walk in the paths of light and fellowship with God with a tender heart that you don't have to take a mallet to us before we will repent, before we will change, but that we will be like these ladies in Slovakia were and King Josiah was and may our name be added to that list in the day of judgment of those who love the Lord for what he has done and for who he is and sought always to have a tender heart before God. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen.